Welcome to the Change the World a Little podcast. Conversations that make a difference. I am so honored and excited to be here today with Paula Shaw, who has been dancing dancing alongside me um, for quite some time, for a number of years. I think we met about eight years ago. She's um, an intuitive guide who brings together all forms of incredible tools, her amazing intuition, her knowledge of astrology, tarot cards, all kinds of other things, which she will tell us a lot more about. Um, but just being with Paul, Paula regularly, like whenever something comes up for me where I get stuck and um, I drop in with her and it all makes more sense and I feel more connected to source, to my guides, my ancestors, um, and there's a huge relief knowing that you're on this planet with me, Paula. So welcome. It's such an honor to have you with me today. Thank you. And, yeah. As you all know, I love um, sitting with and dialoguing with people who make a difference in the world. And I would say Paula is absolutely such a person. She has offered over 15,000 sessions. I, when I heard that number, I was like, how is that even possible in one human life? <laughs> yeah. Um, so Paula, if you could just give us a little bit of an idea of how you ended up doing what you're doing. How did it all come about? Wow. Okay. Well, firstly, thank you for inviting me into this space. I feel really honored to speak with you. And I really honor your work and what you're doing and your message. And I love your jewels. <laughs> I love it. I love it all. So thank you so much. Um, wow. I mean, it's a really long story. I mean, really to understand how I got to be in this moment, you have to look back through my whole life because, I mean, that's why when I do a one-on-one -on -one session, I always look at the past first because you can't know this moment without the whole story. But, you know, to come back to the nutshell of this moment, um, The first things that I would say were really when I look back and it gives me a sign of, of this job, which I resisted for a very, very long time, was when I was a child. I remember being extremely sensitive. I would experience the only way I could describe it now. Well, back then it was like it felt like I was hearing voices, not in a like growing crazy way, but hearing voices, um, feeling other just extremely sensitive and I always felt like there was something else around me and I had no reference point. My family was not religious um, nor spiritual. They were quite atheist. And so I just remember being this little kid and feeling the world in this really extraordinary way and not knowing what was going on. And then the, I was actually so sensitive. I, I felt so much that I actually had insomnia As a child, I literally would struggle to get to sleep. And, you know, I think a lot of people listening could relate to this, to be really, really honest. You know, doing this work, sitting with so many people, I've realized that, you know, I'm not alone with that experience, not at all. Um, 
So there's that aspect. Um, And then when I was about eight, I experienced uh, a moment of going, you know, what's really like really wanting to know what was going on. And I was going to Sunday school at this point. Like I was my parent, I think it was just to, you know, have some time out from us. Um, And I remember asking really, you know, I was really curious. I was like, what's going on? And the answers that they would give me were not sufficient to really explain again what I was experiencing, what I was feeling, what I was wanting to understand. And so they asked me to leave Sunday school. So I was kicked out of Sunday school, which at this point in my life, I'm actually really proud of that. Um, even though there was a bit of, you know, rejection and abandonment trauma, but I they couldn't answer my questions. And so it was around that time where I went, you know what? I think I just let go, Christina, and went, you know what? No one in my village, no one in my community has the answers that I'm seeking. And so I remember so clearly announcing to my family at the dinner table, don't worry, everybody, when you die, you will get all the answers you seek. And they were like, well, what are you talking about? I wow, just and you were eight. I was eight, but it, it was a way of accepting, I think at that point, that no one had the answers. And why I wanted to, not in that, not in that community, there was no internet, there was no really great libraries I could go to. I had no access and I just remember going, I've got to let it go or it's going to, you know, frustrate me. So I kind of surrendered, but I wanted to share those moments. And there were dreams that I had, and there were lots of things that I now look back and go, you know what, this was always going to be the case. There were things that were, you know, weaving that thread through my life. Um, And then fast forward to 15, my mother, um, again, as I said, she's not super spiritual nor religious, but she came home one day with a deck of tarot cards and I did not know what they were and I saw them on the kitchen table and I was just in awe and I said, what What are these? And she said, well, they're tarot cards and she gifted them to me and they say that the sign of a true witch is someone that, you know, um, receives her first set of tarot cards as a gift, you know. So, but I didn't know that at the time. I received this gift and I was in awe. I knew this was something special. Mm -hmm. And so I started to, at that age, study the tarot and I would sit and there's the major arcana, which really are archetypes. And they really speak to, you know, you could almost say spiritual personalities or the, the aspects of, of each individual's personality and also some say it is the pathway to full realisation, to enlightenment, awakening, that all of the aspects of the path are woven through the major arcana. And so I would sit and meditate on each individual archetype and I remember it just opened something in me. It was, it was just an extraordinary time. And I actually did my first reading with my best friend. We were around 15, 16, and she started opening up and sharing things about her life that I know she had not shared with anyone else. And it was extremely healing for her. And then I saw things in the cards and we did things and we both freaked out. (laughs) We were like, what's going on? And I kind of put it away for a bit because I was, there was no guidance, no support. But I look back at that session, Christina, and I go, 
that's still the essence of how I work to this day. It's just a space to open up. We use the cards as a tool, as a, as a way to facilitate an open dialogue between two people to talk about their lives. It's, it can be therapy, but it's something else which, you know, we've always had these people in our tribes, always, always. And, you know, I, I realized mm-hmm. that this was my job in the tribe and, and, you know, but then fast forward, I um, got married and had three children in my early 20s. And that was a difficult experience. Then we separated in my late 20s at Saturn Return for, you know, the astrology people out there listening. Saturn Return (laughs) came in and said, okay, that's not who you are. What are you doing? Because I shut it all down in those years. I'm like, I want to be normal. I want to fit in. And so I resisted this calling. I kept famous phrase. (laughs) (laughs) I've tried very hard to be normal, Christina. I tried really hard and I did not Mm -hmm. succeed. Me too. (laughs) Yay. Whatever normal is, right? So, so. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And then I, um, and Mm. then I resisted it. And then I went in and I realized, you know what? I want to help people. I really want to help people. So, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, you, you got a question. It almost, it almost feels, um, you know, a little bit like the hero's journey, even like, you know, the clarity, like you, you, you were home and then you had to go on this journey to then in a way, come back home, but with, mm-hmm. with the wisdom. Um, I just want to come back to something you said early on of, um, of you imagining that a lot of people can relate and then everything in me was like me. Um, yeah. Because like, you know, that some of my um, things are, I get chills in my whole body when something when something is true and that, um, that intense sensitivity, I, I know a lot of us have that and I know I have for sure. And, and for the longest time, that was one of the root causes why I thought there was something wrong with me and why I suffered a lot because I felt really alone in in that like experiencing the world so intensely so having yeah. these dialogues that's why I was looking so forward to our conversation and do every single time we speak because it's so important to finally start speaking about these things yeah. there's so many people that um you know we're, we're trying to make it work and we are making it work wonderfully yeah. but to then realize being the sensitive can be a gift it can really be a tool but we kind of have to find our own ways like it might not work when we try and I'm going to use this term really broadly when we try to be normal when we try to go with mainstream tools that supposedly will make us happy or give us a sense of fulfillment so yeah. I love that you spoke to those things um which kind of brings me to to some of your your terms that you just mentioned a little bit like you mentioned the um tarot deck I know you later on also really dove into astrology um, and there might be people out there that are super familiar, you know, they're like Saturn return, totally know what you're talking about. And there might be some people who are very new to it and potentially also a bit suspicious. Um, so in, in, I know there are huge word, worlds, but in simple terms, how would you describe, um, those a little bit more? I love that you describe them, you know, as, as almost like little aids for two humans to connect 
um, yeah. which makes it so much more like what it is about is that the two humans connect and understand their worlds more. But what are some other ideas, explanations? About the the work that I'm about doing. Tarot and tarot. astrology, um, like well, in your you own know, words, yeah. being a channel, being an, an, and a guide. Well, you know, because um, like the, actually how I got to be here was I actually had to surrender and follow the calling. Like I didn't get to that path. Mm-hmm. And it, to actually surrender and be who I truly what was wanting to emerge in this life was the hardest thing I had to do. But when I said yes to it, that's when the magic really happened. So there's a, it's a longer story. But to your question and to your inquiry, what I realised over time was that it is one of the most beautiful ways to connect with somebody and to work with these tools of tarot and astrology, which, by the way, tarot and astrology are the oldest known divination tools they do have um, threads and roots back to Egyptian times and astrology can't remember all the facts but it's 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 so ancient um, as tools to try to know where we're at in the universe you know like looking at the stars and you can imagine back thousands of years ago before we had apps and you know a computer we would have looked and we would have observed these heavenly bodies moving through the skies in patterns in certain ways and then we would have shared and created myth and we would see when the sun is here then the season changes at the equinox and the solstice and we celebrated this. But, you know, with regard to astrology, I personally don't see it that the planets are influencing us, that they're beaming some energy down that at the Saturn return, Saturn's doing something to us at 2829. What it is to me, it's like a map in the sky that's saying there's there's cycles, there's things that are happening. There's, you know, when you look at a map, you know there's a river coming, but you don't necessarily know the details. That's something that once you get to the river, you explore. It could be a big river, small river. So I see astrology as a guide to say, you know, there's this cycle coming up. There's a full moon. There's an amplification. To me, I see astrology as an interactive tool for us to know where we're at in the universe. Um, And Tara, yeah, again, it really, these tools to me, they give what I found doing this work is it gives people a safe space to talk about their lives, to reflect on their lives, to project forwards and go, well, this could be what's happening. If that were the case, how would you navigate your life right now? For me, in a session, it's about this moment. But you can, like I said before, only know this moment, truly know this moment in context of the future and the past. So they're the best tools to go, Mm -hmm. oh, this happened in the past and, hey, this might be coming in the future. It's the best, best tools to find your way in this moment now. Mm. I love that way of looking um, at both those, especially with astrology, you know, that it's not something that is doing things to us, which can make it, you know, scary in a way, but to Mm. acknowledge the interconnectedness and also acknowledge the ancient times when there was more um, 
like things were slower, like we would have had the spaciousness to to notice the the movements. At this point, I think it's quite rare to find people that that have that ability, right? We live in cities. We often don't even know is it full moon right now? Is it new moon? Haven't seen the moon in ages, so th- there's not that same connection. So to just acknowledge the um, the natural components and the interconnectedness, I love that. Which which might also um, help, you know, and what I mentioned before, I know that there are worlds that um, can kind of bring up a bit of resistance, also a bit of fear, you know, like, oh, it was written in the stars kind of way, like that could be scary. Some people mm-hmm. say like, I don't want to know it like that. Yeah. I'd rather don't want to know it. Um, and then in general, like people being a bit creeped out by all of those wor- worlds, how how would you... How can you speak to that? Mm. Well, I'm noticing less and less people are. Like people are, at the moment, there's more people going, look, there's something to this. We don't know what it is. I think when we go into Mm. times of uncertainty, we go to these places looking for certainty. But what I know for sure is there is um, a a force in the field and it's very Mm -hmm. mysterious and not one psychic that I've ever met sees it 100% exact, accurately. I've, I've met people that are extremely tuned in and they read it so well. So I just want to say to anyone listening that's, you know, gets freaked out about that, great mystery is at work here and not one individual can see it all. Um, and I don't believe it's either that it's fated like there's just these absolutes and this is from sitting with lots of people and doing lots of you know sessions and trying to like I mean if I could accurately read the future I would I can tell you now like 100% no for sure Mm -hmm. but when I think about that Christina I go I don't want to live in that world I love that there is an unfolding that's happening and a surrendering as well but Mm -hmm. What I've found over the years is that there, it's both. There does seem to be things that almost want to happen and I, it's almost like it's a theme or a, a frequency or flavour or an event. But how that plays out is, for me, it's beyond my ability to read it in its exactness as in the exact time, the exact mm-hmm. man that, that someone would marry, you know, or the exact career path that they need to take. But what I've seen is that the astrology and the tarot and these dialogues open up something where we can explore the flavor of it, you know, and it's something that comes up a lot in sessions that I work with is what I call karmic loops, and they seem to be these habitual tendencies. And if we stay in those, then we keep repeating those patterns, and if you don't look back with your birth chart, for example, your natal chart will show you certain propensities or habits or, you know, things that are familiar to you. And if we don't look at the birth chart and we don't understand ourselves through these archetypes by saying, well, you've got a Libra sun, so therefore you're diplomatic and you're a connector and you like people. If we don't start interacting with them going well no I don't really feel like that or I really really do you can never know yourself you can never know what's going on otherwise when are you exploring who you are so by diving into your natal chart 
that doesn't mean you're always going to be this Libra version, but you can explore that and extrapolate it out. You can open it up. You can Mm -hmm. expand Mm -hmm. upon that. There are, Mm -hmm. you know, people that have talked about astrology for thousands of years that say there's two people, there's certain people that are just a product almost, and I'm not saying mm, that the planets made them that way, but they are at that basic level. But once you know it, you can transcend up and take it up a higher level. But you can only transcend mm. what you know. If you never stop and look, how can you really mm. evolve? Mm-hmm. But then when we look at the potential, when I'm in a session, I never say this is exactly what will happen. I'm very humble and going, I don't know how it's all going to work mm. out. But I can see a karmic loop. I can see a propensity here. Let's look at that. Let's mm. you know, unpack mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. And then let's see if you can actually take those potentials and maybe move it in such a way where it's got a higher expression in your life. So I don't believe there's just that's it, it's fate, just give up and who cares because that would create, you know, other a whole other range of problems. But I do feel we can influence but mm-hmm. I don't feel like we can just control the whole thing and just manifest exactly what I want. I feel like it's somewhere in this delicate balance in between and again if you never look and you never explore through these tools through therapy breath work there's so many incredible ways to to look within how can you even impact anything or co-create anything with these energies you can't it's not possible mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. yeah right mm, that's such a powerful way to understand it like in a way to 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 use this information and these tools to to get to know oneself like to get mm-hmm. to know almost like what you were saying you know with the past and the and the future but to to get to know like the strength the the, the flavors of oneself and then with the karmic loops as well you know the, this when something feels similar and we we would just like run down the spirals of our trauma but if we have that information to be like wait a second, this feels so similar. Mm-hmm. What if it is a karmic loop and I, and I choose to, to sit with it or, yeah. or get some help with it? Yeah. Mm, very powerful. Um, I know that we both know, we all know we live in, in, in huge times right now with, you know, we're in the beginnings of 2021. Um, human life life on this planet in general is changing very fast and Mm. um what are your reflections on i'm going to leave it very open like on on what is happening right now in the globe um and then maybe also in terms of of the the individuals that you've been sitting with in these months um what are you seeing is is alive right now well to that last the second point What is alive right now is that I'm getting the sense people are really going, okay, let's, let's get real with what's going on in me. Let's, let's really live my truth. And before 2020, there was a lot of, I don't know what my purpose is. What's my purpose? You know, which Mm. I get, trust me. And now that we've gone through this last 12 months, it's been, you know, just over 12 months since it happened, the pandemic. 
more and more people are feeling this sense of I need to get on with it, I just need to show up, need to do the work. There's a getting real, you know, people are getting more real. That's what I'm seeing. Um, A lot of the things that were kind of floating around, we were questioning and wondering and almost like we had the luxury of contemplating, could I, would I? It's kind of like, okay, enough of that, let's get on with it. But I wanted to speak to, and this ties in with the fate, is there predestined things? So in 2018, my astrology mentor, um, Daniel Giamaro, he's the founder of uh, Shamanic Astrology Mystery School, very cool lineage, has helped me a lot. It's not the only um, astrological lineage I draw from, but it's been very influential. But he was here in Australia in 2019 and I asked him, um, Actually, he put together a summit with the Shamanic Astrology Mystery School called Preparing for 2020. I think it was in 2018 or early 2019. Yeah, because astrologers were looking. And we were seeing that something big was going down and and we knew it was in March. There was a big activation in January astrologically and then one in March. And I literally honestly said to him in, the middle of 2019 I said Daniel what do you think will happen in 2020 and he said I don't know he's the one that talks a lot about great mystery we can't he said I don't want to predict it we can't predict it but put it this way Paula 10 years from now we will look back and know that this is when it all changed 2020 March and I said okay and I was like oh we'll see 2020 March, we have this big Jupiter, Saturn, um, Pluto conjunction, which is, it's a huge aspect. It's it's like, I won't go into it, but basically there it is. It's It happened in Capricorn and Western astrology, which is the very foundations, the way we structure our reality. So we knew something would change, but no one that I knew anyway predicted a pandemic. So we knew this was going to be a pivotal year for the whole speed. Well, we we suspected, you know, like the astrology was suggesting that that's coming. And with regard to Capricorn issues, like I said, government, the way we structure our society traditions, Capricorn's connected to the to tra- to traditional ways of doing life, which tradition is like to me, it's like the unquestioned beliefs and ways we do things. The unquestions the key point. But this this planetary configuration, which is super rare, happened and it it is, we knew it would change, but again, like I said, we didn't know exactly how. So this pandemic comes in and what is it doing? It's pulled the rug out from under the collective, everybody's feet. And then in at the end of last year, December 21st, there was a Jupiter-Saturn conjunction at the zero degree of Aquarius, and all I'll, I'll give the essence of that. For ancient astrologers, Saturn and Jupiter coming together every 20 years brings a societal influence shift. At the zero degree of Aquarius, we're looking at a new energy. It's the first degree of Aquarius, and Aquarius is about humanitarianism. It is about the collective. It is about innovation. It is about bringing through changes that take us forward. So if that happened without this big impact in March, 
it would be different. But when you put it into the context of that big activation in March of the pandemic, we had this big piece that sets up a whole new 20-year cycle and it's connected to a meta cycle that's 200 years long of the energy of air. And what does air do? It, it brings in freshness. It disseminates and moves things apart. So we've got this breaking down of the structures, this restructuring of all of our systems. Then we had at the end of last year this massive, huge, once in 800-year activation. So, yeah, it's a bit, it was a big year for astrologers. We were like, what's going to happen? Um, <laughs> and then... And so that brings in this new Aquarian energy. It's not the age of Aquarius, and that's a big debate, which I won't go into, but it's an Aquarian energy, which is think to think of Aquarius, think of the um, decentralization of power. So it's not all the power in the corporate. That's the breaking down in March, astrologically mm -hmm. speaking. Mm -hmm. And then Aquarius is about, you know, decentralization of power, things like cryptocurrency where it's not all owned by one person. There's transparency. It's it's disseminating and going out across the planet. And, you know, to me, Aquarius is like little communities that plug into bigger networks, like the cells in the brain, the way they all speak to each other in this grid. Aquarius looks like that, whereas we've come out of this top-down, vertical and patriarchal, I'm not anti-patriarchy, but this patriarchal um, hierarchical systems. And Aquarius says, no, we want to go horizontal. We want to have these pods. So I'm seeing this already, your people that we're connecting with today. Um, I've got a little community that I connect with, but they don't just connect with me. Gone are the days of the guru. Gone are the days of the you must only do my way or the only way to get to God is through the priest through someone else, Aquarius is saying you can awaken yourself. And for that to happen, those structures at the foundations of our society, they have to change. And it's so uncomfortable. This pandemic has sparked this revolution, this evolution, and it is not nice. It is a breaking down time and it's uncomfortable. And, and Christina, this is why I love astrology because it's helped me go, this is what's happening. Astrology didn't do it to us again. I see it as a map and it's saying, okay, you're going to cycle through this as a species. And so for me, it's allowed me to be with it more. No, I don't like it. It's uncomfortable. Um, where I'm living, we've just gone into a lockdown. It's not, I'm not enjoying it. But looking at it through the lens of astrology, through these mythical, you know, experiences with tarot and just the way I see the world it gives me space where I can go you know what let's work with it and that's what I try to help people do and that's how I'm trying to navigate it so so moving forwards I'll just say a little bit about in about four years time I'll quickly say there's some beautiful mm -hmm. astrology that I, feel, I love it yeah. yeah I'm so you know hopeful that it does feel the way it looks that there's but there's the transpersonal outer planets are doing sextiles to each other and they're in the early degrees of science and it's a whole thing which I'll, um, astrologers will talk about a lot I'm sure in the years to come 
but it suggests that, okay, we're breaking things down now. It's really uncomfortable. We all have to reset ourselves and get our priorities right and right, you know, and align with life in another way that's totally different approach. You know, this Aquarian way where it's not the one person at the top coming down that vertical, but going horizontal, collaboration. There will be a shadow to this. Of course there is, but there will be this these innovative new ways leading up to this 2025, 2026 configuration that suggests that things can start moving. We'll start to be able to be operating in a whole new way, which I, we can't even comprehend what that could be at this point. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, this this year, just one mm. last little piece. We don't, one thing I will share just for your people is that this year has a theme of Uranus square Saturn and this is a push-pull. Saturn is connected to Capricorn which was that big activation in March. And Uranus is connected to Aquarius, which is the big activation of where we're going. So these two Mm. are at play all year squaring, Mm. which is a difficult aspect in astrology. It's like they're push-pull, push-pull. So this year is an uncomfortable year. Mm. It's not the breaking down, but it's like, are we going to go backwards or are we going to move forwards? And I almost feel as though what I'm seeing with the pandemic, it's like, oh, it's gone. No, it's back. No, it's gone. No, it's back. The vaccine's working. No, it's not. The rules are changing all of the time. Aquarius, Uranus, Saturn, tradition. The rules are changing. It's like we, as a collective, it's like, which way are we going to go? And this year we really are, as a whole species, we're going to be, I feel, forced to make big decisions about uh, how we're we going to move forward. So at the individual level, my suggestion is come back to yourself, do the inner work, align yourself with what matters to you, get back to connecting to what is sacred, whatever that means for you. Come back mm. to being a part of this planet, mm. you know. It's it's the best way mm-hmm. to navigate that. So, yeah. Mm. So powerful. Thank you. It brings so much light to the, I know there's been a lot of suffering and I know, as you've said, it's been so uncomfortable mm. at times, but to, to understand the bigger picture and almost the, the necessity of the crumbling of yeah. past structures for us to even be able to, to hear, you know, you said before people are hitting that point of like, Oh, I, in the past I could afford to just, kind of leisurely slowly figure out what it is that I want to do and now there's like nah I have to do this (laughs) now um oh and the coming coming back to oneself the resting in oneself I I can imagine so many of us have been feeling that you know with the external ups and downs the the news the fears the the nervous system activations the isolation as well um what are some of your personal tools when you're like coming back to the self and um, you said you're just going into a lockdown. What are some of your personal tools if you're open to share to do that? Yeah, for me, one of the key things has been a daily practice. You know, 10 minutes a day connecting with what is sacred, you know, Mm -hmm. is vital, I think, to living a good life. That's all it takes. 
If you can sit for 20 minutes, sit. You can sit, light a candle, put on some sacred music. For an hour, do it. For me, every day, I've got to connect. Another thing is being really conscious about what I'm exposing my mind to, like, you know, looking after mental hygiene, like not going too deep down the conspiracy theory rabbit holes and all of the rubbish and the fear mongering and not trusting everything that's in the media. Like I said, there's this push-pull. There are agendas that are trying to hold on for dear life. Um, Another thing that really helps me is I stay connected to really, you know, solid humans that are not buying into the the scare tactics and the fear mongering. And ritual, ritual is everything to me. Doing regular ritual ritual for me with the lunar phases is a weekly practice where I can just come back and listen, keep tethering myself to my inner world and what truly matters. So that's what mm-hmm. that's what sustains me. Yeah. Mm, thank you. Yeah, resonates so deeply in the in the different areas, right? The the internal, like the calming down, the media that we're exposed to, the humans, the the yeah. ritual. Mm. Um, you mentioned the moon. I would love to. I would love to dive into that a little bit more because I also know that that is that is a a big passion um, and some beautiful work that you've done in the in the past. Um, so could you share a little bit more about the moon and how people might be able to tap into the lunar cycles a little bit more? Yeah. So, I mean, for me, I was, you know, as I've shared, doing one-on-one sessions. And what I realized was that between sessions, how can people integrate the wisdom and the realizations they were having? And uh, for me, it, it organically grew with my beautiful clients, this Lunar Project is literally what I've created. It's called the Lunar Project where um, we gather at every key phase of the moon, which is the new moon we start. And at the new moon is a time to seed in your intentions. The moon is in the darkness. It's ripe. It's like you can imagine it's the fertile soil where you're about to plant the seed. So at the new moon we set intentions The first quarter moon, we look at what the moon's starting to build in her light and we look at what supports what we've seeded in. Then at the full moon, it's come out to its fullness. It's full culmination. The moon is super bright and we release our seeds out into the world and we trust that they will grow in faith. And it's also at the full moon, traditionally, um, our ancestors would work with it as a time to release and let go. But I'm finding more and more as I work with these phases that the last quarter moon, as the moon is waning and losing her light again to the new moon, it's a time to shed and release. And again, I don't believe the moon is doing that to us. There is some kind of relationship we're having with the lunar phase that our ancestors have celebrated and worked with and cycled with for for thousands of years but there's something about tuning in and getting deeper into your own reality as I keep saying I'm so passionate about listening to the wisdom that's within you it is within you everybody has access to wisdom 
but we've just got to untie the knots, unravel, get out of this busyness, get out of the external. And I love sitting with the lunar phases because it's a moment to listen to what is happening inside me. What is going on? What do I care about? What what wants to manifest? Like when in our lives do we give ourselves permission to say enough, to let go? Like in most people's everyday reality, they're not going out having a coffee with their friend and saying, that's it, I'm drawing a line in the sand and I let go. But when you engage in a ritual and you have it witnessed by others or you write it down and you burn it and you release it and you say, I'm done, there's power. It's an act of power and it's empowering in your life. Mm -hmm. So working with the lunar phases has become this teacher this guide, this way of meditating, of being in a consistent rhythm of a practice with nature, looking at the moon. It is, for me, it's been life-changing and for others that have done it, and I know I'm not the only one working with this, so many people are starting to because we're starting to go enough. We need to connect with something else. When you think about the lunar cycles, it's, it's more feminine, not womanly, it's feminine, it's more intuitive, it's more receptive, mm-hmm. and it's in harmony with nature. We don't need a, an app or a calendar to say full moon, and we mm-hmm. all experience the moon the same across the whole planet. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I'm so, I love it. I'm so passionate mm. about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah, I have to say it, it's changed my life as well in um the the sensitivity to to tune in with it more and more it is a choice in a way there it is one of those um tools that we can use to tap into the wisdom but if Mm -hmm. i switch it off which actually i haven't traveled much these days but um i used to notice that um when i traveled to big cities and i'd be there for like three four weeks suddenly i would realize like a month in i'm like oh my god i haven't I haven't been aware of the cycles. I haven't worked with yeah. it because there's so so much busy energy. Whereas living here in Bali, um, you know, being surrounded by very strong rituals that are around the the mm-hmm. especially the full moon and the new moon, it's it's automatic. I always roughly know where the moon is at, and it's such a soothing. Um, it's not a piece of information, but a knowing that floats around mm. me and, and it does help me to interact with others because it, it used to be that I would find myself reacting a certain way and be like, I don't know what's going on. This is not really quite me. And somebody would be like, well, it's full moon and whatever sign it would be. And I'd be like, oh, I wish I would have known. So yeah. it's something to like know in advance. It's not that I'm like um, calling it in but it's like oh in case something does arise Mm -hmm. I'm a little bit more prepared or I don't you know make it mean as much or or interpret like put stories around it but just like okay there's this energy wonderful we're all we're all affected by it to the Mm -hmm. degree like here in Bali I can feel it with the animals like Mm -hmm. when I ride on my scooter around full moon the the street dogs they're wilder they're they're a little bit more on edge and it's it's very noticeable I mean I've been here for 12 years and it's it's a noticeable thing and to just be like hmm there's more to this you know that Mm -hmm. um that does influence us all to certain degrees so thank you um and we'll we'll put the links and how to find all of your 
beautiful offerings we'll put it um underneath this recording um but i i'm i have a few more uh curiosities that are a little bit around around your own um world of how how you work and how you are um you were describing you know how sensitive you are how much you you see notice feel um how do you do you work with that in your own life like how do you find the balance of of receiving all um this beautiful and i'm sure sometimes also challenging information stories that you sit with with your clients and then how do you how do you go on with your life and i'm saying that because i feel a lot as well and i have to find that dance of um how like to not take things on right because Mm -hmm. then we can't be of service yeah what are some of your your tools and your wisdom around that over the years well for me it is in a nutshell it's trusting in the great mystery that I'm not this one-stop shop. I take what I do very seriously and I really do, but not so seriously that it's like if I'm with something very challenging and that person goes back into their everyday life and I'm like, oh, my God, did I, what would I, you know, so I've learned to just trust in life a lot more and that's helped me be with this receptivity. But I find more and more that I've, allowed myself to just let it move through me and not let things get stuck and not resist it and to just keep open and I don't mean I'm just so open it's crazy but I let it come in and I let it move and purify me and Mm. you know my personal practice is Tibetan Buddhism and we are always working with releasing but we're mostly working with how can I be of service more and if you just keep Mm-hmm. working with how you can give how you can shop it's very important to me then I just know I'm just in that that my life is an offering as much as possible you know like I just keep showing up in that way it tends to I feel safe I feel as though then I'm aligning as I need to be in the right moment so it's a trust it's a real trust in life which has mm-hmm. taken me a long time to develop but a process of surrender, process of surrendering fear and aligning with life and getting into these rhythms where I'm trusting more and more. I'm where I'm meant to be and I do the best that I can and my intention is that. So, yeah. But uh, on a practical mm-hmm. level, mm, thank you. purification, good healers, good cups of tea with good people, mm-hmm. you know, letting it go, trusting, mm-hmm. that's a big part mm-hmm. of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that is such wonderful advice for, um, especially in the light of what we were saying earlier, people are stepping onto the truth. They're like, this is it. I, I have to get real with my calling. And um, while there's an excitement that comes with that, um, as you know, because you started to listen to your calling when you were eight, it's also scary. And we, we do live in times of what you were saying, the push and pull. There is a lot of unrest. People who have been depressed and underprivileged for don't even want to talk about how long are starting to step into their rights and so there's there's a lot of good happening but it's also very unsettling at times so I love that that advice of the you know the the humans that we interact with and the and the the different tools that you were just saying of of the cleansing as well and the um 
yeah, what you just shared. Is there anything else that you that you would tell um, the ones out there that are like, okay, I'm I'm listening to my soul's calling. I'm stepping in, um, but who who might also have that that sense of nervousness, which right now you know could be across the board. There's yeah. economical. There's all all sorts of things that we're all aware of. Yeah, I mean, I didn't listen to my calling early. It took me a long, long time. So I didn't finish the whole story. So I resisted it. And by the time I actually surrendered, it I, I was in great fear of living my truth because it was going to go against the grain of what everybody else mm-hmm. was thinking. And And that's not just me doing this, you know, spiritual work. It's the case for most people. Often that thing that's calling you requires some kind of step or leap. And this is where people that offer, you know, talismans like your beautiful work and sessions and going to a retreat or a workshop or a meditation, these all support you to get to that point where you just go, I, I have to be what's coming through me. I have to live what's true. And it's scary. If it were easy, I think the world would look super different. So, yes, we're in these uncertain times. And what excites me about now, Christina, is that with this pattern interruption, with this breaking down of these old structures, I see cracks. I see cracks where new light's coming. Or it's like, oh, so I can be a witch now people like astrology and I'm not going to be burnt at the stake yeah <laughs> it's so because that was my biggest fear it wasn't like I thought I'd be burnt at the stake but I was terrified of being persecuted I went and started studying psychology because I wanted to be normal I wanted to do this in a way that was you know societal society would accept and life kept going going saying no Mm-hmm. And I was miserable. Truly, anyone listening, if you're sitting there and you're scared to take this leap, I will say to you, be more scared of staying where you are, where you know it's not working, where you know mm. you're stuck. And yes, it's radical, but please don't think that everything has to go bad. It doesn't have to look like that. Reach out, go see an astrologer, see a healer, see a therapist. It doesn't have to be. New agey, it can be just start taking steps towards it because what you want wants you and it will. Once you say yes to it, and Christina, when I did, when I really said yes, it was magical. And that was years into doing this as a full time career. The first yes was like life went, come on, (laughs) you know, and I was resisting it so long that it was becoming uncomfortable. Life was, things were starting to break in ways that were unhealthy. But when I said yes, I really genuinely experienced the universe said, come on, we've got you now. Now you can be you. And I have seen that time and time again. I believe that that is a law. If it's the real thing, not just some projection from your mind, but how will you know if it's the real calling? You've got to listen. You have to go in. You have to go in. A psychic can't tell you what you're calling. Yeah, and try it out. Yeah, and move towards it and read books about people that have done it. Listen to Christina's podcast. Listen to people that have really gone there. It 
I've never met anyone that said yes to their calling and it was without discomfort, never. If you, any of you know someone that did it like that, please, I would like to meet them and Christina can interview them and we can all listen. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, totally. I send them my way. I want to, I want to know how they did that. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And it's needed. You know, I think we're all feeling it. It's needed more than ever. We, we need for people to show up. And I, I love what you said around the discomfort, right? If we, if we, um, kind of shy away from it and deny that it's there it's almost it's stretched out discomfort it's almost like just dive in and rip the band-aid off <laughs> almost sit yeah Some... rip it off <laughs> yes yes yeah <laughs> oh thank you so much richness there um is there anything else you feel you feel called to share yeah what's coming to me is to trust, trust in life. You know, if you're losing connection to that there are bigger cycles at play, then you can, we can, I can get lost in the fear that this is all terrible. And again, this is why I love sitting with people that try to see the future with the bigger cycles because we can trust that this will pass. And I am not saying it's good for everybody and just everybody, la, 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 we're all going to be fine. But if you buy into the fear, you're not available to the ways out. You can't see the cracks where the light's getting in. So if you are someone that's in something really intense right now, remember that we are in a collective purification and maybe those things that are falling away really were not serving you or the collective. And another thing that came to mind before is that Aquarius is about humanity and this pandemic has happened to all of us. And I have sat with people, I sit with people all over the world, Christina, and I am seeing that we can get on these Zoom calls and go, oh, yeah, so what's it like with you? And there's this connection that I didn't feel before this and it's terrible. I wish it didn't happen. And And there is this equalizer, which is Aquarius. He's the water bearer pouring water of purity and bringing everything into equality over the entire planet. So look for the the people that are doing the good work. Look for the, the cracks. Look for the new innovative ways. Don't lose faith. Trust in this reality. Trust in the human species. We do not want to self-destruct. We are survivors. We are pretty extraordinary and it's hard to believe in us right now. I know, but don't give up on us. Don't give up on this life. Don't give up on the human mm. race. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm, thank you. Oh, my heart is like, there's such a wide yes to that. Um, there's such beauty in humans. There's there such is. big hearts and to, to trust in that. Yeah. Yeah. So um, we'll share links to how people can find you if they want to come and get a session with you. But I'd love to just check in if there's anything um, that you're working on. You mentioned the Lunar Project, so we'll put the information for that as well. Um, but anything that I didn't mention or I'm not aware of, 
where people can find you, connect with you? Yeah. Um, really, you know, the Lunar Project is um, if you go to the link, the first month is free so you can get in and feel it out. It's not for everybody. But, it, you know, at least if you go through a month, you'll get some good tips on how to take ritual into your everyday life um, because that's how I've designed it so it's not totally out of people's depths. Um, but I do one-on-one sessions, which I love. I really love that. And I um, also do free sharings on Instagram, which I get a lot of people find really interesting to help if they don't necessarily want to go deep into ritual but get a sense of what well, I always post the full moon and the new moon and then I do little bits here and there but it's a really good little support tool to go, okay, there's a full moon. That's why, like you were saying, that could make sense why I'm feeling a bit funny today. So, um, And I weave it in with the astrology. But, yeah, and I'm I'm looking at working on a book well, I'm working on a book that's going to be talking about ritual and it's something that I'm becoming more mm. passionate about because ritual to me is a way to shift yourself out of the corporate machine really, um, but that's a whole other thing and that's in process and, yeah, it's fun writing books. It's, mm. it's okay. Oh, amazing. Keep us posted. Yeah. Wonderful. Oh, thank you so much, Paula. Such an honor, such a joy to be with you whenever we connect. Just in celebration of this of this life, really. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, honestly, for letting me share these perspectives and my way of seeing it. And just, you know, I really hope that what we've discussed really just helps people find a little bit more peace and a little bit more coming back to what matters and what's sacred so i'm just so grateful thank you Lord.